0: I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively.
1: Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate.
2: It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Brexit The Final Countdown, You're not-at-all nebulous guide to what's happening and what's not happening with Brexit. Can you believe it's our last episode of the year? Wow, no. Just three, but a significant landmark, I think. Uh, linking arms with us this week as we ask, should old acquaintance be forgot and ne- never brought to mind, is Joe Barnes, our Brussels correspondent. Hello. And Martin Brown, our seasoned lobby insider. Hello. And of course me, Rebecca Hudson. <laughs> Let's recap the last week. So you both, I wanted to go straight into yesterday's kind of non-debate debate debate in the comments, but I think we should go back even further in time to the summit last week, um, which you both are assuring me has got plenty of news lines. Joe, what happened?
2: So on uh, Thursday, Theresa May went to Brussels, where she had previously promised to uh, go and deliver some new negotiations on the backstop and the uh, withdrawal agreement that we've all heard so much about. Um, And what she said, she was going to get some legally binding assurances that the backstop and its customs union element will not become a permanent state after, uh, after Brexit, if it is triggered, in fact. That, um, Geoffrey Cox, the Attorney General, had kind of warned that the backstop could be indefinite and Britain has no kind of unilateral rights to get out of it. So Theresa May wanted some assurances there. Um, and what she got was a set of uh, council conclusions. They're legally binding to a certain degree. Um, are they
1: more like post-it notes? They're
2: Yeah, post-it notes. Um, as Angela Merkel told her post-summit press conference, they're more than just a piece of paper. Right. Which was quite amusing um, as she backed up. But what they are is they, they're clarifications. Basically, the EU27 and their leaders agreed um, after the talks that they would promise to start negotiations on the future agreement as soon as Britain leaves. Um, so they're really trying to promise to ramp that up. Um, and they said the backstop would be a temporary measure. Um, so it won't they are also keen for it not to become a permanent kind of a scenario in the status quo and they said they would use their best endeavours to negotiate a future arrangement um, that supersedes the backstop so none of this is actually new because it actually is all featured in the political declaration on the future trading relationship and the future security relationship and also in that 585 page withdrawal agreement that we've all all your well-thumbed about.
1: copy is yes. still by the side of your bed
2: yes well I wish but my, my printer <laughs> wouldn't allow that Um what they did was they actually stopped short um, of offering Britain anything really substantial. So um, before summits, um, to be well-versed with this, there is a plethora of kind of leaked documents that will make their way round via the journalist, via certain diplomats and uh, officials. And there was a paragraph which was actually scrapped in the end, which basically said the EU would offer assurance that the backstop would only... Like, apply for a short period, um, and that was that was scrapped from the kind of the actual what was published officially. So, um, and there's there's talk of why, um, this was done, um, but mainly I think EU leaders were kind of not keen to offer any red meat to the lions in Westminster to the Brexiteers because they've
1: given everything they want to give.
2: Yes, this was all just a little so because nothing's new, it's just it's basically clarifications of the process. So, what But what they don't want to offer is anything that the EU EU sees as the lions feeding at the table in Westminster, and then will come back and say, actually, that's great, but we want more before we accept Theresa May's deal. So I think Mm -hmm. there's probably still something to be done. And, um, well, we can talk about one of those things that was also pulled off the table by EU leaders, which is the so-called CETA option, which refers... To a bolt on used by Belgium when the Wallonian Regional <laughs> Parliament vetoed the EU's Canada trade deal. Um, and it's basically been cooked up by Ollie Robbins, Theresa May's EU Sherpa, and Martin Selmayr, the uh, mm-hmm. controversial Secretary General of yeah. the EU and um, known as the monster of Brussels okay. in, the powers of, in the corridors of power. Um, and EU leaders weren't kind of happy with that option as a further clarification, like a, a bolt on a, um, amendum to the withdrawal agreement, mm-hmm. um, because they hadn't seen it. And again, probably worried that, yes, it's all well and good, but what will the Brexiteers want next to make the uh, make the deal palatable for them?
1: So this isn't enough. Martin, What do you think any of these, I don't know if we can even call them concessions, these pieces of paper and clauses being removed, is it enough to get her deal through? Is it going to stop those people shouting over Sky News broadcasts? Outside Parliament every day?
0: No, it's not. At the end of the day, Theresa May, she won a vote of no confidence in a day before the summit. So it was a relatively high moment for her in recent politics. She goes to Brussels and gets completely stonewalled by the other 27 EU members. And frankly, she's come back from the EU EU summit and we're still in the same position as we were. Nothing's changed. At the beginning of the week. So nothing's really changed. It was... It was quite embarrassing for her. the first night of the summit on the Thursday night. She she just as I said, she got completely stonewalled. She's getting nothing from, from Europe on this at all. And then she had to she had to do something, so she had to create some kind of news and she had this very public bust up with <laughs> Jean-Claude Juncker. Yeah. Um, who did himself no favours as well during the rest of the summit with his with his behaviour, which has been all over Social media.
1: Poor blonde woman's hair. I felt She's very sorry for very her. Very important
2: person. Deputy head of protocol for the whole EU. Oh
1: really? Yes, oh, I just so... saw the back of her head. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So really, the prime minister's come back, and we're we're back at square one. Um, nothing. Nothing's really changed. She maintains that discussions and dialogue is still going on, but it's not going to be enough to get the deal through.
1: So is this this? Is she just kind of treading water and pushes us closer and closer to her vote, which is now the week beginning the 14th of Jan, and kind of forces us to either No deal, which everyone wants to do, and we'll talk about later, and then this means that her deal gets... Is this what we're doing? Is it all just kind of... we just Is it like, scene, I don't know, scenery? No, what do I mean? Frosting on a deal?
2: Is it all just... So I think Marta would be far more versed in this than me, but Theresa May wants to make it look like she can get more from Brussels and so I believe that Downing Street were actually briefing that talks are going to carry on over Christmas over the last few days which is a distinct difference to what the EU are telling us that actually no so one of the spokesmen yesterday for the EU um, were basically saying that the assurances they are offering Theresa May um, are the only ones possible at the moment and they don't foresee any kind of talks over Christmas and um jonka jokes about not being in brussels over christmas and wanted to go back to luxembourg um to his family home um so i don't think there's any appetite in brussels for there to be any negotiations over christmas but theresa may is clearly telling people otherwise
0: yeah i mean i don't uh, then there may be some kind i don't think there'll be negotiations there may well be talks behind the scenes but what was interesting yesterday in parliament um it does seem that perhaps some of the uh, Brexiteers may be swinging behind the Prime Minister. Jacob Rees-Mogg said that he did have confidence in the Prime Minister yesterday um, when they were debating. Yeah. Um, and so perhaps they're beginning to swing behind. Why? Her.
1: Why the sea change? Because no one wants to be responsible for no deal or because it was all just performative and they actually thought the deal was fine, but they had to give her a headache
0: it was quite embarrassing for Jacob Rees-Mogg and the ERG crew um yeah. not to ask the prime minister but they, they the, had two
2: they goes. had a lot
1: of votes like they what was it again votes. like they three did, well, it was
2: 117 votes against 204 which is numbers what was um so in 1990 when Margaret Thatcher had a similar process um she actually received less votes against her than Theresa May did, and she went very quickly afterwards. So uh, this is so
1: not like the scalp that they wanted, but it's a dent in her, like, yeah, further dent in her, I don't know, mandate, credibility, well, If you had esteem. If
2: you had had 117 Conservative names that don't trust the Prime Minister to Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party, the, the Lib Dems, the DUP and the SNP in Parliament, it's suddenly, that's a lot of people against her. I think it's less than 30% of... MPs now actually favour her deal and that doesn't include people, who well, actually favour her as the Prime Minister.
1: It's like um, the SNL skit, did you see that? Where Kate McKinnon was like, no one in the world likes, like was doing Yes, me. No yes. One, no one so, in the world likes me.
2: Tough gig. The parliamentary arithmetic doesn't quite add up and I think Brussels kind of understands that. Um, so it's, wow, it's yeah, really down to Theresa May how she gets this deal through.
1: So why is like a re-smog softening? Like, what, what, why do you think we're seeing this slight change?
0: Your guess is as good as mine. I know you you brought me in here to uh, tell you why. The, essentially, nothing Nothing is going to change with regards to her deal between now and no. January the 14th. But we all know that, don't we? We all know that. Jacob Rees-Moggy and the ERG, they've had effectively two attempts to get rid of her. Yeah. It didn't work. They did very well, but it didn't work. They can't get rid of her now for, for 12 months. So it's either...
1: Back me or sack me. Back me
0: or sack me. And they me. couldn't sack her. Put up or shut up. Yeah, um, that's how I feel. Or they have another means of maybe challenging her. That...
1: So we're stuck with Theresa May and we're probably stuck with this deal. Or maybe we just don't do Brexit at all.
2: Well, this, as, as people will tell you, this is the best and only deal possible. And I think that's been the only kind of shared vision on both sides of the channel. So uh, Theresa May will tell you that. Jean-Claude Juncker will tell you that. But it's most likely, is it a case of politicians, and I'll say all politicians, sometimes severely lack a backbone um, where it's required. So we've seen Emmanuel Macron in France kind of bow down to the the gilets jaunes, the yellow rioting vests. Um, And this is where maybe MPs in Britain haven't quite got the courage of their convictions to really kind of force change if they wanted it on the, on the deal that they clearly don't like.
0: Jacob Rees-Mogg showing his support as well is he doesn't want to have a second referendum and that is becoming increasingly more likely. Yeah.
1: Where where on the likelihood stakes do you think we'll have a second referendum? And what would the question be? Will we get asked to remain? Do you think we'd be asked to remain again or would it be this deal, no deal? Something like, the
0: government and the Prime Minister are saying absolutely no way we're going to have a second referendum. So no one's really approaching the subject of what the question's going, it, going to be. A, but the
1: fact that she's even talking about it and said it yesterday in the House of Commons suggests that it's, it's, it's not. You have a two
0: stage, two, two questions. To, yeah. So you have um, in or out, and right. then my deal or no deal.
1: But I think by acknowledging it, and now the fact that it has become it's, it's a little more serious than just like a Twitter hashtag suggests that, and we know that lots of them are preparing, we know that they're preparing pretend for it, yeah, aren't so they? So the, the they might not want to do it, but it might be that we're forced to.
2: The people's vote movement, the, the kind of Remainers who want a second referendum to mainly to stay in the EU and scupper Brexit, they're actually really buoyed by all this kind of news that um, ministers going out on their morning media rounds and saying, look, it's not government policy to have a second vote. Um, and I think Amber Rudd on Sky News the other day slightly broke trend and went, at the moment, everything is on the table. So there's yeah. there's probably... and And we've had new gangs of five in the cabinet and kind of people actually wanting to discuss um, privately, was it a pizza club is it a burger club or so we've now got a kind of a, a second referendum club kind of brewing in Britain um, amongst senior ministers and cabinet members. So I think it is probably the easiest way for Theresa May to get her deal through. Cause she can go, okay, MPs we're you're not going to back it. What I'm going to do is ask the people. So
1: but can Parliament be seen to be refusing another referendum like does that then like you're trying to stifle
2: and I think voice. as, as it's a bad thing to be seen to as be as Theresa May said yesterday I'm, I, I do think a second vote will kind of give you irre, irreparable damage to I the British political have. kind of system and it just loses trust so over 17 million people back Brexit and if it's to be thrown out the door because it's of not it, thrown out the door, it. door it's just
1: added, it's just clarifying because we spoke about this in the first podcast like mm. what the Hell, everyone was voting for would, two years ago. We now we now have a much better understanding, well, yeah. or we don't have a better understanding, do it. We? But we've, I mean, no one ever mentioned a backstop or Northern Ireland or no. All, like these are all new phrases in our lexicon. Mm. And I think, on the whole, people are a bit more galvanised. I mean, everyone's got an opinion on Brexit, haven't they? Like your so hairdresser,
2: would, your Uber driver, would, which mm, like my would, two friends. Would remain have to be? <laughs> would remain have to be on the ballot paper though? Now the deal is known. well, yeah,
1: because because you've got like leeway for people who because. Like, yeah, people who previously voted out now think maybe it's, they didn't vote to become poorer. I don't, know.
0: But I don't the, know. Two years ago, people it was a clear distinction, in or out. Yeah. That's the way people... And like you were saying, people weren't thinking about all this Irish <laughs> bank no, stuff and didn't know any really. of that. Now, it, at the moment, you've got potentially three things on the table. You've got second referendum, no deal, or the current deal. Mm. I'd say, certainly to most of our listeners and Daily Express readers... The second referendum is the least palatable one of the three.
1: Do you think that's because they're afraid that they would lose? Maybe not afraid, that's not the right I, word, but.
0: I do, think do well, the, 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 most of our listeners didn't, most likely voted to to get out of the yeah. EU. So, but, do you, but do you think but, that
1: there's an anti, that the Leave camp are particularly anti a second vote because they're concerned that the ratio would flip and we'd then see, we'd vote to remain? So and, the,
2: the, there's been kind of little kind of smidgens of polling and kind of people suggest that mm. there is still an appetite for Brexit in the country. I personally don't see any kind of change, change in mood. Uh, to you don't both.
1: think there's a change in the in the national climate about Brexit? I don't.
2: I, I, I think that, that we we see there there are obviously people that change their minds, and but there will also be an equal amount of uh, remainers that would want to change their mind and say, look, we we can't have it actually looks we, like a great idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> not not not, Why didn't not, I vote not, for this not because it not because it's a great idea, but they, they've kind of. They've seen an intransigent, intransigent EU kind of machine whirring when they probably voted Remain just because they voted Remain, but now yeah. they see this that they actually they've been exposed to Brussels now and they actually know what happens and they've oh, so so,
1: revealed themselves. Yeah, yeah cause they so. Don't
2: like it. Exactly, because they have been awfully tough on us and uh, they've not made it easy to leave, But and they said no, they I, couldn't make it easy for us to leave because it would help other countries yeah. do the same.
0: But I think the story that was um, highlighted by uh, p- our political editor, Mesa Hall, today in the Daily Express, <clears throat> shows that um, the government are now seriously thinking that there's going to be a no deal because they've unlocked, un- unleashed so the was- uh, billion pounds.
1: Yeah, two billion, two billion extra quid.
2: <clears throat> to prepare we were going for no it, deal. I
1: mean, that would have bought a lot of hospitals.
2: Um, I'm sure Jeremy Corbyn's waiting for his next opportunity to bring out the magic money tree that was... Spun so well against him during the election. It's interesting. Every everyone is really starting to, and includes in Brussels, are really starting to ramp up their plans for No Deal. And um, countries are starting to pass. As I mentioned uh, last week, France has started has passed a bill that makes it easier for them to legislate a No Deal to keep our Eurostars running to ensure extra customs checks at the border between Calais and Dover.
0: Uh, I was listening to Mark Carney a few weeks ago, and he was saying that the the, the banks. Uh, totally prepared for for a crashing out of the eu and um for a no deal and but he was expressing his um worry that small businesses small and medium businesses hadn't done any preparation and um you would have thought three months before um, march the 29th is a better late than never to start Start. preparing to uh, for a no deal
1: but is this because but if no deal is that not a failure of brexit just because just just crashing out and dealing with Europe, just like the rest of the world does, is that that isn't the, that wasn't the project, was it?
0: I don't think we'll is ever. Well, I don't think we'll ever crash out. I think. Oh, uh, you've like you,
1: Richard ties. Uh, well, I know. The,
0: <laughs> what we've just been talking about the the preparations now yeah. taking. But I mean, it. I think that's quite late in the day to start planning for yeah. something of this scale, um, but it will be some kind of managed.
2: Crashing out.
1: Managed, what do we call it now? Managed no Managed deal. Managed no deal.
2: Um, it was always going to be... What a, was the
1: other one today? Glide gl- path. Glide path. <laughs> Managed glide in, path. Yeah.
2: Yeah, essentially be comprised of mini deals that ensure kind of ferries still operate between Britain and, and Europe. Um, planes can still fly. Um, our banks can still operate. Because um, obviously we in London host most of Europe's banking sector and the biggest... And it's but are they all being shipped in- out to,
1: Aren't they all in Germany really? now and...
2: People have, but I've I've spoken to people that really don't like the idea of moving to Frankfurt um, and want to stay in London. Um, So the EU and UK have a genuine interest to keep this business here. It's obviously stuff involving the euro might have to leave, but that's kind of just common sense. But uh, so on tomorrow, so what will be Wednesday, um, Brussels and the European Commission are going to release a whole host of no-deal kind of plans, which are essentially reciprocal offers to Britain to say, look, let's have our aviation services, our financial services and customs checks... If there is a no deal, let's work together and we can So, So, so I think the main one for our listeners would be um, planes and aviation. Can we still go on holiday after Brexit? And they, the EU are going to announce tomorrow that they will allow British planes to fly over the EU, to land in the EU, to fly back to the UK, to re- make refueling stops in Europe. But,
1: but, but at vast expense or something, surely. Because otherwise we'd have just done this at the beginning.
2: Only if Britain does the same for EU planes.
1: Well, then it's the same as it always.
2: So again, they're just trying to—they're basically trying to build a status quo that isn't too different. So they've kind of rolled over and also said that UK-based clearinghouses, which are is like a posh jargon for the middleman of the world's 420 billion or trillion, sorry, uh, trade for derivative contracts, will be allowed to continue uh, working in London and access the European market on a basis of equivalence, which is basically. Yeah. You you sign up to our rules, we're we'll allowing you market access, but mm-hmm. they can pull the rug with thirty days' notice and uh, essentially revoke that access. But so I think there is a genuine effort um, being made, which is probably born out of the fear that Theresa May's deal is not going to not going to fly, mm-hmm. to actually to get No Deal a turn it into a mini deal scenario because no one no one would actually generally see No Deal as kind of conceivable because. Plane no would, deal is
1: many deals.
2: Plane deals. Yeah, planes would literally stop running and mm. so and so. People wouldn't be able to go on holiday. Um but the EU have actually made um or oh, are making a lot of effort to, to make sure we've been added to the, the visa-free list of kind of countries, um, so we can go to the EU without a visa for ninety days mm. um in the event of a no deal. Yeah, so I think no deal is becoming a bigger reality than people would have, have seen in Britain. Kind of two years ago, because I think was it Boris Johnson who said or was upset that we should have done, we should have prepared for no deal first and then triggered Article 50. So we actually have a genuine kind of, that no deal becomes a genuine negotiating tool. Mm. Where it, I don't think it's been seen as a genuine negotiating tool up to this point.
1: Is no deal a political like volcano though? Like if she, if we, if her deal doesn't pass, does she just have to go on the 1st of April? To I'm talking about, not me.
0: Yeah, I think I think she'll go pretty much soon after anyway. Maybe maybe six weeks. Just, oh, really? Well,
1: general I mean, do I you... don't think
0: she'll go the day after. Put it that way. Okay.
2: Um, but yeah, she'll, she'll be gone by the summer. Brexit has been become like a all engulfing kind of monster and has engulfed the entire British political class and failure to deliver. What was promised is going to be seen as a pretty big hammer blow. She's yeah,
1: she's she's done. No one will be ordering her memoirs, or she'll be setting up the O two, will she? Like Michelle, would, the, would Corbyn win the next election if there's a no deal? Do, will the British public see it as a failure?
0: Yes, it but doesn't... he's not covered himself in glo- any glory he's in the useless. in the past two years <laughs> yeah. or since. Well, since he came became Labour leader, really, um, he doesn't know. Which way the wind's blowing really and um I think that shines through in the public as well that Labour aren't offering any way out of this as much
2: as, as Theresa May is. Confidence in politicians at the moment is probably at kind of an all time so 'cause 'cause we've say we've had we've had the vote in June twenty sixteen, we voted to leave, we've got the deal kind of on the table that nobody likes. And now let's talk of second referendum, so it's a bit of a bit of a sore point really. Um They even say people in Europe, Donald Tusk, the EU council president made a point the other day that he was kind of generally a bit upset with how MPs were treating Theresa May. And she's kind of, I think in Brussels, she's held in quite high esteem as I've said before. Mm -hmm. Um, But now kind of MPs have been exposed um, and kind of are now the reviled hate figures because they're essentially Brussels has put a deal on the table and now says, go and do your ratification process and it's MPs that are holding it up rather than um, rather than Theresa May herself. So I think they are kind of, Theresa May is kind of very highly respected in the EU circles because she helps them out on a number of issues like migration. She's very important on, she helps break the impasses during summit talks on that. But um, so I think they're a little upset with how MPs have treated her on the other side of the channel. But I also think
0: the general public are a bit fed up now, and they just want, if you, if you're a, a Brexiteer, or if you want out, then you just want to get out. Whether it's with May's deal or a No Deal or any deal, they just want to get out. And Remainers, I guess, are getting fed up with Brexit, and they want a, a second referendum. If we
1: leave without a deal, can we can we ever go back and negotiate a deal? Do, do, do we are we do we come back from? Do we have an even weaker negotiating point if in five years? a super centrist government elected, and they want to and part of their manifesto would be to reintegrate further into Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It, I of-
0: see what you mean. I, I think Europe would welcome yeah, I, us back with open arms. So I don't think um,
2: that would be so tricky. If we, OK. Because so if, if we stay in the EU without leaving as so we cancel Article 50 essentially, we remain on the same terms. Um, so so we, we,
0: nothing's happened. Yeah, as in, yeah. yeah.
2: So the status quo as it is now. Um, if we leave... We'd probably come back on a slightly worse deal, but I, I think senior people in, in the EU would always say, come back and we're stronger together, mm. and uh, kind of to steal the Remain campaign's party line that went, yeah. went so well for them. <laughs> um, I don't want to buzz. So, yeah, no, I think they'd be happy, but we'd we'd lose certain like rebates. We'd probably yeah. lose... Well, we'd lose the, the rebate that Margaret Thatcher negotiated that uh, basically cuts our payments mm. to the EU. Um, and we'd probably have to pay more. We'd probably have to sign up to ever closer union policies, which we've currently got kind of an opt-out on. Right. Um, so if we were to rejoin the EU, we'd probably definitely rejoin on worse terms. If a negotiation breaks down and we do generally have a no deal scenario or the, a mini deal, whatever we're calling it these days, Um the EU, I think, would still definitely want to come back to the negotiating table as well and strike a kind of a wide ranging trade deal because it's in their interest as much as it's our our interest to uh, put a deal together that ensures kind of trade can still run, the Irish border is open and yeah. stuff like that. Because remember, without the deal, there's no backstop, and essentially a hard border would kind of have to be erect in Ireland.
1: Yeah.
2: And um, I know it's kind of a, a kind of a contentious kind of point between both sides who actually does that is it the EU that ensures there's a hard border or is it Britain that does it because both kind of sides well Britain's definitely said we would kind of suggest that we just keep it open and allow the common travel area right. and the Good Friday Agreement to be respected just out of kind of our own goodwill so this is rages for the next 40 years like we, the whole country becomes a Tory party
1: arguing about Europe is that what we're looking at or do you think we put it all yeah, yeah. no,
2: bed it doesn't put it to bed at all
1: No, no.
2: thank
0: god Limited podcast.
2: Brexit is definitely going to be here to stay um, in one form or another.
1: (laughs) Do you want to talk about how much they're all getting paid in Europe? We're idiots. We should have all become MEPs. Um,
2: MEPs are also getting a pay rise, yes, which um, one of my sources in the parliament sent me a an internal document there to say they will also be getting a pay rise. But I think the main point of contention is EU officials who uh, work for the Commission and the Council, so the, eu- the unelected Eurocrats. So this
1: is our Junkers and our Tusks. This is
2: Juncker and Tusks.
1: Taking home over 350 grand a year now.
2: So Jean-Claude Juncker will be better off to the tone of 550 euros a month, um, taking his pay packet up to 32,700 euros a month, which is incredible incredible Um, no one is getting kind of a generous pay rise and then suddenly kind of the EU civil servants are getting this 1.5% Christmas bonus essentially that was announced Um, it's quite sickening really because it does come out of taxpayers money and we are funding them to have this kind of generous pay rise when you look at you kind
1: it's of badly
0: timed. <laughs> well, I've been writing stories about this for ten years, and I think this is one of the reasons why certainly oh, okay, that's a lot of our you, readers. Is
1: this, does, do you think this really resonates with people? or Do you think this really pisses them off?
0: Yeah. Well, that's like, what got people so angry in the first place. I think the the, the three big issues were immigration, mm. the amount the amount of money um, these bureaucrats are getting, um, and then the brussels meddling in our you know our everyday lives yeah and um it's it's just obscene how how much that they're how that how their salaries go up and up and up and juncker let's not let's not forget that he he was um he turned luxembourg into a kind of a, a tax haven for absolutely fine. for uh, people wanting to hide a lot of their money. And
1: did he? Isn't that what we're going to have to do though? Pretty soon.
0: Well, <laughs> we essentially, can we, we, like cows. The, the, the Singapore, <laughs> Singapore <laughs> options. The Singapore options open. The amount of money that British taxpayers or French taxpayers or whoever are paying is going lining the wallets of these um, these fat cat bureaucrats. And, officials, uh, and I uh, building. I mean, that ridiculous building where the summit was, where yes, um, the Theresa May had a her row with Juncker. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know. that would cost how many hundreds of millions of euros to um, build?
2: I think it was about 125 um, it was definitely over 100 uh, million euros to build a giant kind of egg shaped meeting set of meeting rooms mm. for EU officials and EU leaders to kind of have their jollies and their dinners um, discussing the EU's various kind of pit downfalls and benefits and as they try to shape the future mm. So this in a nutshell it does reaffirm people's belief that I've, they I've, were right I've all should, along should, I think, better off out
1: better off out I
2: think you've got a list there of kind of John Paul Juncker's um, kind of how much he earns in comparison to other world leaders and well
1: Theresa May is doing pretty badly she earns less than Macron and Merkel
2: which is uh, essentially as an unelected kind of an installed leader you'd be pretty upset that he's earning more than yeah, Donald double. Tusk and earning yeah, I mean double what Theresa May, who's elected by the people, and, and she's doing a great job. Well, that's, that's up for debate. Get a but I did get quite an amusing text message from one of uh, Juncker's spokesmen yesterday that actually told me the EU's top officials are going to be worse off despite getting a pay rise. No one voted <laughs> to be
1: poorer. Why? No, How is that even so possible? So
2: they are saying they will actually have a reduction of their purchasing power. um, and they will be 0.6 percent worse off, despite the increase. What does that
1: mean in real terms, that real people? So essentially,
2: them. it's they every year they look at increasing wages in line with inflation. And currently, Brussels or Belgian inflation is set at about 2.2 percent, um, and that's where over 80 percent of EU officials work between Luxembourg and Belgium. So that's why they're having an increase, but they've only gone to one point five percent instead of going the full the whole the full hog to two point one per cent. Um or, yeah, two point one per cent. Um so they actually claim that John Claude Juncker will be slightly poorer in his purchasing power way in Brussels because the price of his milk goes up mm. um, while his money doesn't go up enough.
0: No, oh. <laughs> I'm not sure he drinks milk.
2: That is open to interpretation.
1: <laughs> um. Sciatica medicine. Um, okay, I was going to do a review of the year, but I think it's that's exhausted. What, let's look forward with optimism to next year. So we either leave the deal or we don't leave the deal, but either way it's fine. Wh- like, what conversation will we be having at the end of... No- like, how will 2019 go for this great nation?
2: Well, Believe and understand that, as I mentioned earlier, the, the CETAR option could be used as a legal mechanism to help offer that legally binding assurance that Theresa May afterwards after on the backstop. Um, and there was kind of a lot of uh, kind of whispers of another January summit in Brussels, right? Um, that could be kind of used to offer Theresa May that ta-da moment. Before the vote,
1: okay, or maybe
2: is it going to be so? But then, with the timing of the vote, does that happen? Because obviously, everyone's going to be returning from Christmas probably early January, first week of January, and then maybe in the second week of January, we have a, a second, a second kind of what would be a third Brexit summit,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, where they can kind of offer Theresa May that, and then we see does their deal go through, um, and then if not, it's kind of all, po- all action stations to the no deal planning. Yeah, um, stockpile your food Yes, do we stockpile food, how do we get the planes how do the planes carry on running um, but then really we look forward to does Article 50 get extended which the EU aren't particularly keen about because if it's extended past the European elections Britain will have to yeah. have MP, the MEPs elected into, into the European Parliament so I think it all comes down to the main point we can look forward to is the vote now in
0: the commons can't wait oh, my And my prediction is that there's going to be a lot more newspapers and a lot written and a lot more podcasts recorded about people talking about which way brexit's going to go no, honestly i think i think it's going to go down to the wire i think we'll have the vote um as planned on january the i think it's going to be january 15th
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, based on the current figures it's not going to get through and then who knows? we have to come up with something else. Something will get sorted in the end, whether it's a managed no deal or a completely reworked deal or a, a Norway, Canada, who knows? Mongolian style deal, <laughs> trade deal. Who, who knows what we'll come up with? But something will get sorted before March the 29th. The thought
2: um, of Mongolia plus plus.
0: My fingers plus. are crossed.
2: It's <laughs> quite <what> <laughs> <laughs> something, something will. Happen. We've got reasons to be cheerful. Something
1: will happen, and maybe we can. I don't know. There'll be something else to talk about.
0: And it will probably end up. It won't be as good or bad as people are fearing or hoping. It will be somewhere in the middle. It will I'm be a bumpy ride. Fireworks. It will be a bumpy ride,
2: it's
1: but one way or the other,
0: we will have a new prime minister in 2019. Yeah. Who that will it is
1: be Martin? Who do you think it is? Is it going to be Esther McVeigh? No. Oh my God.
0: It's going to be it's going to be either Jeremy Corbyn or a Tory MP. Oh, <laughs> no. that's such a
1: cop
2: not I wouldn't want to uh, kind of have a guess, but I, I do keep hearing rumblings of kind of an unholy alliance between some Brexiteers and like a kind of a a Tory unity movement rather than a government of national unity, maybe with mm-hmm. Jeremy Hunt or and kind of Sadid Javid in there. Um well, we saw Sajid Javid and Andrea Leadsom hosted their Christmas drinks, joint Christmas drinks together. And yep. Andrea Leadsom obviously had kind of leadership ambitions. Um, she
1: is a mother, guys. Yes, remember, and
2: that's so what would so. make her a fine It's going to be another minister, messy apparently. year for the Tory party, I think. Thank God. Yes, brexit field inviting will continue. That's the only guarantee.
1: Optimistic. Thank you. A Christmas carol indeed. Thank you for listening to Brexit, the final countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review. Turn your distractions off and discover your new favourite podcast. This is Bose Recommends.
2: What's going on? My name is Jordan Stevens, and I present the Whole Truth Podcast. I'm very, 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 very happy to have been selected by Bose Recommends. I'd love you to listen to the podcast because it's just about getting through the day, everyday life with some fantastic guests. The conversation is fluid, and um, you know, there's an opportunity to relate and not feel alone and not feel isolated. Please listen to us on ACAST iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Peace out. Enjoy your
1: new favorite podcast without distractions. Discover how at
0: Bose.co.uk. Bose. Focus on.